Clustered conversations. Clustered conversations. By Weka. Hello and welcome to Clustered Conversations. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. So welcome back. And today we have a very special guest. We have uh, Nilesh, who is our, what are you now? Uh, Chief of Product, I believe they call you? Well, yeah, they call it Chief Product Officer. <laughs> wow, that's a hmm. that's a fancy term, Nisha. That's a fancy <laughs> title to say I'm a product geek. <laughs> now, Lesh comes with a, a rich history and background in storage. Uh, we've worked together in the past, and you know this is our second time around together. So, uh, why don't you tell us, uh, like, where did you come from? I mean, what where did you begin, and how did you get here? Who is Nilesh? Who is Nilesh? All right. Uh, no, I think. Uh, Thanks, guys, and I'm really excited uh, about uh, being a part of this podcast, and I think uh, I've kept up with uh, you guys and there's some amazing conversations, and uh, what I found fascinating is how the industry is evolving and uh, the, the conversations you guys are touching upon is touching upon that as well. But from my brief history, you know, I've been about 30 plus years, now I'm aging myself, 30 plus years <laughs> in the industry. Uh, I was lucky enough to start at Intel in the early days of Intel, uh, 1991. Hmm. Uh, and I led, through my 10 years there, I led Pentium product management, Itanium, I64, wow. uh, and uh, had a, you know, a great run there and learned a lot. And I think some of now, the learnings were, from... Were those dancing uh, clean yeah, suit those, guys, were they your idea? <laughs> I wasn't doing marketing, but there were some other geniuses oh. there. That came up with this boing about Intel Inside and then dancing. I beneath. love those. I lo- those are great ads. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Sorry. that was pretty amazing. I think it reminds me of uh, what we are trying to do with here with our Purple Bunnies too. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. Uh, I think Intel was actually a formative years in terms of uh, you know how to lead a transformation, how to lead the industry in a certain way of uh, thinking and, and driving a particular... Uh, agenda in terms of uh, from the business needs and where the industry is heading towards. Um, of course, Intel has fallen behind a bit, uh, but I will leave it up, leave it for now. Uh, then I had an opportunity to be part of a couple of startups where I learned hard way how hard it is to really take a fantastic idea and take it to market. And dot uh, com bursting didn't help either. Uh, but then from oh. there, I actually ended up joining NetApp. Uh, in the time when NetApp was transitioning from being a NAS filer company to an enterprise storage company, and mm-hmm. a combination of uh, NetApp adding more, you know, holistic enterprise functionality and SAN feature set, block feature set, and so on, and uh, so that was a fascinating experience. Again, how do we lead during the transition, win during the transition, and uh, come out ahead? and be a, almost like a de facto standard for certain transformative uh, trends like virtualization in the case of NetApp. Uh, but that was about 2004 to 2012-ish. Uh, so good nine, 10 years run there. Uh, saw a lot of different things, systems business, uh, NAS, uh, the file, you know, file system uh, application business, and then a lot of data center platform integration, more solution delivery around big data analytics and so on. And and from you there, there I with kind of, uh, yeah, you yeah. worked there with one of our previous guests, right? And you guys worked together on one of the cool projects at, at NetApp, which was the. Uh, you the, must be talking the, the about uh, Steve Miller, my good friend. Yeah, yeah so fascinating. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, Steve and I, and you know, actually, literally, 
wrote up the first flash product idea on the back of a napkin and we said what what would we call it and we call it performance acceleration module pam and uh, that was uh, actually well, a first you know meaningful larger enterprise use case for flash uh, before netapp kind of went to sleep and uh, other people took on the whole flash array <laughs> market. Uh, it was flash in front of SATA and flash in front of SAS, and it actually did a great job of, uh, of accelerating our performance back then. It was a really cool concept. That is true. Did you keep yeah. that napkin, though? <laughs> oh, that, that napkin turned into an actual PRD for a long time, and then, yeah, I don't know what happened to that napkin. <laughs> but uh, I think, again, those are the, some good learning experiences where, you know, sometimes understanding the customer's problems deeper and taking a non-conventional approach to solving those problems uh, takes you further. It did, as I said, you know, it did solve some of the problems NetApp was facing, but then it was not thought through holistically by the time we turned into, you know, a broader flash-based use cases that were evolving. Right. To be honest, from there on, I actually felt that I'm done with data and storage and decided to go away <laughs> from it for a while. And then a couple of other companies... Um, leading into Palo Alto Network. Then I just had to go into more cybersecurity. Uh, and I ran uh, Palo Alto Network's uh, network firewall business. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, a large, fast-growing platform business there. And uh, uh, very interesting approach. And learned, again, a lot there, both from a product perspective, but also how do you drive an alternative way of solving some of the customer's problem. And in fact, there is a lot of similarities that I've found that we have taken here at Weka that matches that. But anyway, so my journey ended there, there in Palo Alto Networks uh, about a couple of years ago, and then I spent a kind of detour into the UAE. I moved my family there with my wife and I with being empty nesters, and uh, that was a cybersecurity <laughs> business there that I was part of. And uh, That's and a big then, change. Yeah, no, that's uh, that was a big change, but it was a, you know kind of a life event when you had a, my young uh, two of my kids, one of the younger one daughter, moving to the college and uh, being empty nester. And this opportunity just came from nowhere. I said, well, let's try something different. And it was a, a fascinating experience. I'm but anyway, so that's my journey. That's where I've been to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to half nest out this year. And then uh, two years from now, I'll catch up to you. All right. Cool. Yeah, and no, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's a milestone. I've, yeah, I've John, got John, ways to go. He's got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> So cool. I'm just so, waiting for them to start paying rent. <laughs> no, <it's good. laughs> so, I mean, how, how do you like Weka? I mean, what made you come to Weka? I mean, sto- like for me, it was uh, I came to storage again after saying I'd never do storage again because <laughs> it was just it was uh, really interesting. Yeah, no, that uh, that's exactly where I was. You know, I was the only opportunity that I was even even considered. I was not considering anything new at that time. I was having a good time in the UAE, uh, and then I got approached by Amit. Uh, uh, Pandey, who's our executive chairman, and said, Nilesh, I know him from my NetApp days, and said, hey, you guys, you need to hear the story <clears throat> about uh, Weka. And I said, uh, what is Weka? And then told me about, uh, hey, this is one of those high-performance platform company doing a, you know amazing job. Uh, I said, no, I've heard about those uh, you know, parallel file system stuff in the past, and I know there's a big graveyard of those companies, and they, I, I just don't want to be dealing with that. And he said, no, 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 there's a different story here. You need to hear me out. And uh, so he told me about it. I decided to stop by on my trip back to the U.S. for two weeks. I was here, and I spent a weekend with uh, Liran. And I kid you not, I think the 
an hour one-on-one was introductory one-on-one became five-hour meeting. <laughs> and <laughs> in that five hours, we both came, few things we agreed to. Uh, one thing was we none of us wanted to come back into the data or storage market. Right. And he said why he did it. And then uh, we uh, also spent a lot of time talking about fundamental problems that has been hurting the last 30 years of storage stack. And so that assertion led us to the remaining four hours of discussion about uh, the four corner chart that we standardized back at NetApp in terms of uh, the workloads that are stretching, uh, getting stretching the storage or data layer into four different corners, IOPS performance, small files, large files and throughput, and the cost and capacity. And the only answer every company, large company, small company had was to pick one of the four <laughs> and then try to, you know, EMC filled the rest with the portfolio approach. NetApp came too late to it. And in fact, I was uh, part of the two acquisitions we drew out of NASBU, one of Ingenio for high performance IOMS oriented workload and the storage grid bycast for capacity and content storage and block and object, I mean, file and object. And again, they had to take three products to cover that uh, the the use cases that were evolving <laughs> fast. <laughs> and but again, that posed the uh, the fundamental problems uh, that the last thirty years of uh, you know data stack and storage stack have been facing. And when I mentioned that problem statement, uh, Liran said, "No, we covered all." I said, "Bullshit." <laughs> And he said, no, no, let me, let me walk you through. And then we literally walked through the entire stack into the how we have done that. And then I said, you know what? This is very fascinating. I'm excited about it because you're not focused on storage problem. You're focused on solving the accelerated compute problem. Right. Which is looking at the data layer problem from an upside down perspective. And I think that, that actually, you know, really made me, very excited about what uh, Weka is up to. And so that's, that's how yeah. I ended up, uh, you know, getting very curious about it, learned a bit, lot more about it after talking to Maur. We had two meetings uh, with Maur and uh, I dug deeper there and he obviously wanted to make sure that this guy gets it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so now five, six months into it and I'm here. That's great. I mean, it's made a big difference. It's, it's awesome. nice to see us kind of streamlining our product development process, right? The, the way we decide on what we want to build, how we want to get to market, how we, what features we're looking for, what customers we need to talk to, and what, you know, what segments we're trying to, uh, to, to make happy, right? It's- yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, I th- it's a time-proven journey, and you, you can read books, you can go to the classes and to learn about product management, and there are lots of stuff happening out there. But I think you have to have gone through the difficulty of choosing the right answer among, it's almost like a threading needle on one end. So in my view, there are at least four dimensions that I always think about um, as uh, before deciding where do we go. And I, I guess sometimes it sounds cliches, but I think it's also, you have to really practice it and come back to it in true fashion. Uh, mm-hmm. One is you have to know what, what why you are even in the business. What customer problems are you solving? And it, it's uh, you have to think about in both dimension. What is the larger fabric you're painting on from a market and trends and larger growing problem, which is, uh, you know, where the evolving problems are happening and keeping that in mind. And then also tune into more specific, what is the 
current problem the customers are probably trying to solve. It might be a performance issue, a scale issue, or a specific feature set, but all that needs to add up to where you're going next from a product strategy perspective. So keeping that ultimate product strategy and business outcome in mind is extremely important, and that has to be your starting point. Then you combine that with saying, okay, what are some of the uh, pain points your existing customers have in terms of your near-term opportunities? So balance that with it. Then you have some of the uh, incoming from the uh, engineers, and I, I love working with very hungry and uh, innovative engineers who take pride in solving some really difficult problems and don't let it go until they solve it. And I'm, I feel that this, I feel really lucky that we have that type of uh, you know engineering uh, skill set and mindset uh, in Maur and Nair and many others uh, in the team there that they are really tackling some serious problems. Anytime we come up with a problem, they have a unique, broader, uh, very scalable and out of the normal way of solving those problems. And uh, so, you know, part of the requirement comes from them and part of it is uh, coming from some of the technical debts and uh, supportability. And, you know, we need to make sure that we are fitting well into customers' environment from operational ease and, and so on. So, you know, it's a, it's a more cohesive 360 degree perspective and whether you're running on a two week sprint or a three, three month sprint cycle or a 12 months waterfall, these principles, you have to come back to it. And then once you have the list of priorities from there, then you need to make sure that uh, the, the statement that I keep taking on, on, on every notebook I write uh, on the first page, I write, you know, what customer problem are you solving better mm -hmm. than anybody else? and do it profitably. Yeah. And it's it's fun to watch these guys, the engineers, especially at Weka, their work, they, they really think in parallel. They don't think of it as a, you know, a single box solution or, you know, a one client solution. They're looking at how I can make this work across a, a huge infrastructure with trillions of files and hundreds of clients and everyone needing the system at the same time. Yeah. That's a great point. And I think, uh, you know, some of the decisions we have made, strategic decisions we have made, and uh, it's very easy to walk away from those strategic decisions. One of number one is we want to be software only play. Being a software play in a data layer when you have a huge ecosystem up your stack and below your where you stand, it's a huge burden you are taking on. And so it requires the architectural sophistication and a commitment to making sure that we are driving to a certain level of currency to be part of a first class citizen of that ecosystem. And that is where the ingenuity and innovation around how our engineers are thinking about the problem comes into play. And I see that play, you know, play out day after days where they have solved the problem in a, such a sophisticated way that we are not, we don't have to go back and, uh, you know, redo or custom build for one or the other ecosystem partners. Whereas the platform is written in a way that it truly behaves like a platform and it's mostly a, a quick currency check and qualification cycle mm -hmm. that allows us to keep up with the ecosystem. And there are times where we'll have to go deeper and make future changes uh, and so on. But otherwise, I think, again, this is the power of our, uh, our platform and the way that our engineers have architected it. Um, it. It's a generation, I call it a generational platform because the way we have solved the problem is gonna, you know, last for at least a full generation, probably 20 to 30 years before somebody feels that this does not meet the need of what they're trying to do. We don't know what that would yeah, look like. Yeah, there's going to be then. some 
it's going to be yeah. some significant underlying changes to the compute world as a whole for right. for Weka and the way it works and the way it integrates with really the the standards of the industry with x86 with PCI Express with NVMe with you know Ethernet or InfiniBand you know, TCP/IP all that sort of thing like all of those standards would have to change at their core to be something entirely different for right, for Weka to no longer really be Feasible. Exactly, exactly. And I think what, what you're talking about and is a, is a very important point because what you have seen is even though when you look at what happened in 1990 and what's happening now, that looks drastically different in terms of uh, the, you know, whether with the ATM networks to where we are today, uh, where Ethernet people never took it seriously to now Ethernet runs the entire digitized economy out there. And and, yeah. and so on, right? So there's a transformational change like that, but it all happened incrementally. And it hasn't been something like Weka, which has taken the problem upside down. And I'll, te I'll tell you about how I feel about it. The storage and other IO, so I look at where we are at a data layer closer to the application, and we look down, and there's a networking stack and the data stack, storage stack underneath that. All those are incrementally improving. There is a point solution fixes, whether it's a PAM card we did in 2009 or, uh, you know, whether we did a, a flash array or, you know, some of the amazing flash-based products. I think what some of other industry players like Pure and even other VAST and others are doing, they're really leveraging commodity technology and improving upon it. So I guess... You know, so biggest one of the big problem, or at least the innovation over the last thirty years, particularly looking down in the storage stack, has been solving this problem of the slow media. And there were specific innovations, whether it's the I/O technology or a media technology, were specifically solving a, a point problem. It's not until what Weka is doing, which is really solving the compute problem. And the big part of the puzzle we have solved with our data layer is how do we keep the GPUs and CPU uh, accelerated computing infrastructure utilized the, to the fullest and only do storage functions and data layer downward looking functions that are required to deliver against those require workload, workload requirements. And that actually allowed us to architect the data layer in a very unique way that is really delivering against the business needs of the workloads, whether it's your scientific computing or AIML for some of the business needs that you're driving towards. But I think it's been, a, a, as I said, a, you know, we were talking about the generational transformation and it required us to do something along this line to be able to address the next emerging set of challenges around data. And uh, that that's what I got fascinated and excited about in terms of how we are solving those problems. Awesome. That's a, that's fun to see that, you know, we, we are looking at things differently. We're not just coming at it from a, a storage perspective, even though some of our guys do have a storage background, they're looking at it, how to solve the problem of the users more than the problem that these storage admins have, which is a, a lot of storage companies kind of concentrate on. That's right, because I think everyone and all of us read about the you know data problems, and uh, initially in the last 10, 15, 20 years was this conversation on data at scale and exabyte of data, exascale data set that people will be hard, it'll be hard to manage and on so on. So it was a 
data management problem. People talked about deriving value from the data, the business value, and you know the whole AIML and other analytics uh, workload started to emerge, but it was not, uh, and, and that whole data, uh, you know, creating the value of the data discussion happened at a layer about data, about the data layer or the storage layer, as we know, as we talk about sometimes synonymously. Right. However, I think the approach we have taken in terms of being closer to the compute and being aware of the workload behavior and so on allows us to participate in understanding the data value and help with that whole problem statement. And that is where I think, as you said, you know, where do we go from a roadmap perspective? It's not about the data layout and, and protocols and how platform best delivers that. Of course, it we gain tremendous performance, you know, 10x, 20x benefits in performance and scale based on optimizing the data layer to keep the compute occupied. But along the way, the value we create around our insight into the metadata and what we can do with metadata is really the where the next major problem we'll be able to solve uh, is you know once we consolidate some of the data layer function and the storage layer functions i think there is an opportunity for us to be truly transformative in helping address those data monetization, data intelligence, data cataloging uh, kind of problems that is really being part of the AI ops, ML ops, and data ops pipeline, helping consolidate that, make them efficient. And because, you know, if you look at, if you listen to a lot of industry pundits and, and the people who have built their stack over the last 10, 20 years, they will still be talking about siloed deployment. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, what we are able to do, because we have solved the problem more fundamentally at a data layer between small files and large files, IOPS or low latency versus throughput, it's a single platform architecture and the power of the architecture we have that will, and then you combine on top of that, the metadata intelligence. And that is what will allow us to really uh, completely append some of the uh, you know, workflows and pipelines and really make them extremely efficient. And that's what actually I get really excited about. And then the third element about the value that I see really is that taking those two aspects and apply our ability to build the data mobility because we are building in such a modular chunk and the ability to move data around between cloud and on-prem and the simplicity of that architecture really addresses the data access problem as well. So I think, you know, from a roadmap perspective, I, I look at from a three dimension and how we are thinking about it. You know, at a data layer where we are sitting, we have addressed and proven ourselves uh, again and again around solving the traditional storage problems. And we have done that better than anybody else. And the power of the architecture we have. Uh, I think the data mobility and as the, uh, you know, enterprise workloads migrate to cloud, that is the problem we are solving for them today. And I think as you're gonna see uh, some of the recent announcement we did and all that is really help us get there. And it, it, it is again, the power of our architecture that allows us to get that data mobility uh, efficiently delivered and then making sure that we deliver the same value on-prem in the cloud because of we are, you know cloud native architecture. But then 
taking the next step further, if you look at us a year, two years, three years down the road, you will see us participating and consolidating the AIML workflows and pipelines in a much more native fashion by being a tightly integrated into those environment. And it will be natural to us because we see data coming into us through ingest and we are also the one helping uh, GPUs to process them. And we are the one transporting the data or helping transport that data across the wire onto the cloud or edge and so on. Mm-hmm. And along the way, the common denominator we have is the intelligence and the metadata and what the data is, is all about. And so we should be able to do an amazing job at addressing those uh, inefficiencies. And that's what actually I get, you know, if you look at, if you ask about where is the next major exciting uh, innovation and opportunities we have to completely deliver continue to deliver tremendous value to the customer and where the new problems are evolving to, you know, I think I find that that is going to be the next major area. And that will, in a way, will uh, consolidate some of many different disparate products and solution stack that people and customers are deploying today and uh, help us, uh, you know, simplify that for for our customers. Absolutely. I think the data mobility has always been, and data movement is always the, the, biggest stone to move in any sort of data platform. How do you get access to all this information that you have to where it needs to be in order for something to actually useful to happen with it? And that's especially true when you've coming from a, you know, sort of a more legacy standpoint of having, you know, on-prem data center where you've got a bunch of storage appliances and maybe migrating to and from the cloud, or you need to be able to burst up into the cloud and moving that data back and forth and more importantly, moving the, the new insights that you just generated from that old data, you know, maybe doing a copy is, is not necessarily too challenging and difficult, but now you've just gotten some new data. Where, where does that live? Where does that now go? If instead you have, you know, a single repository, a single namespace, a federated file system that all of your systems, be they in cloud or in multi-clouds or on-prem, all access the same data at the same time with the same metadata, much more interesting, much more, much more powerful and uh, definitely, definitely a big, big change, a big, um, big opportunity to be had if we can solve that. Absolutely. Correct. And I think that's the, that is, as you mentioned, mobility part of it. If the data is designed, if it's assumed to be uh, always going to be mobile and always going to be available for application and you are, architecting the solution so that it is always designed to be accessible to anybody, anywhere, anytime. You are not tying it to locking down to a particular storage infrastructure layer. And I think some of those aspects, the fact that our metadata always lives on uh, at, the, at the closest to the compute layer, where it allows us to make the access uh, instantaneous. And many times when you have alternate, you know, other uh, band-aid solutions the industry got used to, uh, today, for example, if you want to really uh, add value to the data by understanding the metadata, enriching the uh, data, and so on, today there are sets of tools that have to be overlaid on top of the stored data uh, in a more historical approach to, to addressing those, uh, those customer problems. Um, and I think it is more refreshing to see how we are looking at it, which is, you know, having metadata or data ops 
and uh, are tied to the data itself and making, you know, made some automated decision. And that's why, you know, sometimes when we talk about zero tuning or auto tiering and all that, uh, it, it's, it's, Sounds like a science fiction or just a marketing buzzwords, but it, it is the power of the architecture and being closer to the the you know workload and knowing the intelligence of what metadata and what this data is all about and making decisions based on that upfront is really going to help simplify a lot of uh, there are a lot of inefficiencies in the way data is being managed today. And I think we have opportunity to take out a lot of those inefficiencies and in in turn truly deliver this kind of a 10x plus advantage on every aspects of the data pipeline that people are, you know, trying to optimize today. Awesome. So we've talked about where Weka is, kind of what we're doing. So the question is really, what do you see in the industry that excites you that that is coming next that we might be, you know, not not necessarily what we're going to do next, but is there any kind of technology you're seeing or anything else that we can tie into and work work well with? Yeah, I think uh, I believe that the the whole um, you know again this AIML um, and the knowledge and intelligence that we are able to gather from the data, uh, I think we are probably only scratching the surface in terms of what we are able to do with the with the you know in data that is being collected. You know, I think we all talk about 5G. We talk about the, you know, sensors, IOTs that are everywhere. And I think it is those, you know, vision and experiences that people talk about and create some fancy videos around it as a, as a concept, you know, bringing that to life, making some real-time decisions on the edge uh, built on the combination of the contextual awareness of the data that is being compute, you know, processed by the uh, applications that are deployed either on the edge or in the core, doesn't matter where they are. I believe that is probably the, uh, the next major uh, place where I think there's gonna be a lot of exciting use cases that'll be, that are evolving and a data layer that can keep up with that is what's gonna be exciting for people to leverage and use I mean, we we here talks about data lakes and so on, but again, a lake still has a boundary. Right. And, and, and I think inlets. Yeah. yeah. So I think that is that. In my point, my view is that we have to go about that beyond that, yep. and a, and a, and a kind of a universal layer of data access that is instantly instantly available, and has a contextual understanding of what is being done. Uh, and uh, at the point of the consumption that we are being able to take actions. And I think there are elements of the metadata intelligence, uh, some of the uh, you know AIML software and applications that have bring that intelligence to it and making some real-time decisions and you know being able to participate in that evolution of AIML and data usage on the edge, you know, powered by 5G and then future 6G and so on. It is, I think, going to be pretty exciting. And I think I find that, um, you know, we have the underpinning of uh, what is required to be part of that journey over the next five years, 10 years. And uh, the whole picture is going to look very different when we when we get there. Yeah, in, so in a data the, universe. <laughs> in the time that Josh and I've been here, I mean, it's a lot of the questions around, you know, big data sets in single places 
And now a lot of the questions I'm getting from the reps and the SEs is, you know, small data sets in lots of places, right? How do we collect all that data and, and centralize it? So yeah, the IoT part. Exactly. Yeah, the IoT part yeah. is really yeah. exploding and we have to figure out, you know, what we can do to help that. I, I think there are two dimensions there, I agree. I think two sets of uh, problems there. I think IoT is definitely lots of small sensor data. And uh, you know now talking about billions and potentially trillions of the data sets that are coming in, how do you process them? But equally exciting is computer vision. Yeah. And live feeds coming in and people, you know, machines making decisions about what they are seeing and helping predict stuff or taking action. And we are actually seeing some customers that we have been working with yeah. actually benefiting and delivering some amazing results, right? They're saying 10X and 20X improvement in their yield of the products and uh, how quickly they are able to uh, train their autonomous uh, engine by just uh, reviewing and ana analyzing the recorded data that they see from yeah. the street, from the cars. It's just fascinating. We have others think, do, uh, uh, so, yeah, others at the end of a chip line checking out, you know, whether or not the the data the stuff coming off the fab is actually good or not, right? We we got guys doing QA with it and also with uh, with panels. So it's pretty cool to see how our storage is being used in all these different industries to to make decisions on its right. Own, and I think that's yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. exactly. And I think that's that's you know you asked about the what excites me. I think we are seeing the signs of those. Uh, up successes in, and, and the productivity gains and business value it's creating for customers. Just think about that, uh, you know, to the next level. And the last thing I would say is really what truly makes my heart warm <laughs> is really the kind of efficiency the technologies like Weka is able to deliver in terms of the, you know, reducing the power consumption and footprint and so on. If we were to have a magic wand and the entire world's data layer were to change to Weka, <laughs> I think we can kind of cut down the carbon footprint by half. Don't you think so? I think so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because we, we don't need as many spindles and servers and pieces to get to the same performance and IOPS that other people do. So we could reduce people. People are buying lots of space and paying for a lot of power to get to performance so we sure. can get in, short, in a smaller space with a lot less power. Yeah, I think uh, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, we have customers benefiting from that today already. And I just believe that I think, uh, you know, efficiency like what we are offering and anybody who partner with us who are able to drive that kind of a sustainable technology solutions that can truly not amazing business value, but also have an amazing social value to how we are going to be able to impact the reduction in, you know, greenhouse. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this this story can go in many different dimensions in terms of advantages and benefits. And I think that's what excites me in terms of what the future lays ahead, you know, as we combine the newer innovations around technology, mm -hmm. our approach to managing those data layers in a very unique fashion and driving the next level of efficiency uh, over the next period of time. Uh, I think it's, it's a pretty fascinating, up, you know, exciting world out there. Absolutely, man. Well, yeah. It's, uh, it's thank crazy. you, Nilesh. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Appreciate, that was a fantastic conversation. conversation. Yeah, mm -hmm. great. <laughs> I loved it. I think this is as we are. I mean, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to be part of a transformative, uh, you know, uh, player technology product platform like this. And uh, uh, I look forward to the journey with you guys. I think I'm so glad to have you guys uh, together with me in in the journey. Awesome. Oh, we appreciate well, it. thank you, Nilesh, and thank you everybody that was listening for this episode. We uh, for cluster conversations. I'm Josh.
And I'm Bob. And we so, will see you next time. Have a good one.